we started this series of messages, Happiness is in You, from the Beatitudes. And I told you, and let me repeat, that this is a superstructure. This is a step-by-step program. This is not you can jump into one of those steps. Jesus was not just plucking stuff out of the air, blessed are you, and blessed are you, blessed in you. No, no, no. He had them totally structured in such a way that you cannot go to the second step without going to the first one, and you cannot go to the third one without going through the second step. Why are these steps necessary? Well, I'm glad to answer, because Jesus meets us where we are, because Jesus leads us one step at a time, because Jesus guides us up the ladder of the Christian life one rung at a time. So he began with brokenness in spirit, poverty in spirit or brokenness in spirit. You have to start there. Without that brokenness in spirit, we will not feel the need for God. (laughs) Without that brokenness in spirit, the very first step we take to come to Christ, we don't feel a need for Christ. And then, after being broken in spirit, you begin to recognize the gravity of our sin and begin to grieve over sin and mourn over sin. And then we constantly come to Him in repentance over our sin. Thirdly, we saw how Jesus takes us into the third step, which is meekness. And as we saw, meekness is not being a doormat, but it is being having power, but it's under control. And fourthly, we saw, and this is where we left it, hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Now, I come to the fifth of this superstructure, fifth step, the fifth rung in that ladder, where it takes us to truly a point of a breakthrough in becoming like Christ. No greater manifestation in imitating our Heavenly Father than exercising mercy. Why am I saying this? Because our Lord is the paragon of mercy. Now, in the context of the culture of the day, you have to understand the people who are sitting there listening to Jesus. The Roman society and the Roman culture that dominated the world back then, they despised mercy. Did you know that? They despised mercy. In fact, they saw mercy as a mark of weakness. It's a mark of weakness. The Pharisees within Judaism inside the Roman Empire. They were different, of course. But the Pharisees who were listening to Jesus, they would say, okay, you show mercy only to the person who shows mercy to you, even within that religious context. For example, a Roman philosopher called mercy the disease of the soul. The disease of the soul. Mercy back then meant that you don't have what it takes to be a real Roman citizen, Roman man. Because Rome glorified not only firm discipline, but they have glorified absolute power that takes no mercy. Roman men treated women and children the way we treat the unborn today. No mercy. Any society, 
any culture. I don't know whether it is before Christ or after Christ, because any culture that Christ is not the center is a B.C. culture, is a before Christ culture. Any culture, whether before Christ or after Christ, where Christ is not at the center, that culture leans towards sentimentality, but not mercy. I'm going to come back to this in a minute. But I want you to look at the text, Matthew 5, 7. Blessed, happy, joyous, in Greek, makarios, are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Please hear me right. This is very important, very, very important. Jesus is not, He's not, He's not, He's not saying that if you show mercy to others, others are going to show mercy to you. That's karma. <laughs> That's Hinduism. That crept into our culture. No, 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 no. That's not what he's saying at all. He is saying that when I show mercy to others, God's own mercy is going to start flowing through me more and more. And the more I show mercy, the more His mercy it flows through me. It's like giving, and you've heard me say this many times. When you give generously, God gives you more, a whole lot more. Why? Because God is looking for conduits. God is looking for channels. The more mercy I show, the more God's mercy flows through me to show more mercy. The less merciful I am, the further away I place myself from the streams of mercy that comes from the Lord. Question, what is mercy? I know a lot of people confuse mercy and grace. Am I right? A lot of other people confuse mercy with forgiveness. Many others still confuse mercy with justice, and they get stumble over that one. Others confuse mercy with love. So I am going to answer that question in four ways. First of all, mercy is more than forgiveness. Mercy is more than forgiveness. Secondly, mercy is less than love. I put them this way for a reason. I'm going to explain that in a minute so you'll get it. Thirdly, mercy is different from grace. They're two different things altogether. Fourthly, mercy is one with justice. Now, I selected this kind of way by which to communicate for a reason, and when I get to it, you'll understand it. Mercy is more than forgiveness. How come? Well, Titus chapter 3, verse 5, the Word of God tells us that Jesus saves us not on the basis of good works, but according to His mercy. What did His mercy prompted Him to do? It prompted Him to forgive our sins. As we repent of our sins, He washes us of our sins. He cleanses us. He forgives us, and He regenerates us. God's forgiveness of our sins flows out of His mercy, and His mercy is the source of His forgiveness. Without mercy, there can be no forgiveness. That's why I say it is more than forgiveness. God is merciful. He's merciful. He's merciful to you. He's merciful to me. He's merciful all the time. Just you, you show mercy to someone you don't know, somebody who may never wronged you. 
and you show mercy to them. Forgiveness becomes operational when the wrong is committed. But mercy is operational all the time. When you have mercy in your heart and the need arises, you meet it. Hear me right, please. Mercy leads to forgiveness. Mercy manifests itself in forgiveness. Mercy produces forgiveness, and forgiveness occurs when hurt takes place. But mercy can be exercised under all circumstances, whether there's a need or not. God's mercy is more than forgiveness. You see, mercy produces forgiveness when sin is committed. How do I know that you have a merciful heart? If I wronged you, said something against you, and I come back and said, please forgive me, you immediately forgive me because you have a merciful heart. God's mercy reaches down beyond the forgiveness. Because being merciful all the time, His mercy reaches down all the way to our weaknesses, and we all have them, right? God's mercy reaches all the way down to our needs. God's mercy reaches down all the way to protect us. God's mercy reaches all the way to directing us and guiding our steps in life. So mercy is more than forgiveness. Secondly, mercy is less than love. In Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, the Word of God said, But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love for us, He loved us even when we were dead in our sins. He made us alive together with Christ. Just as I showed you that mercy is more than forgiveness, I want to show you that love is more than mercy. Love can be manifested in lots of ways, right? Ways that can involve mercy or not involve mercy. It can involve forgiveness or not forgiveness. How? Love loves all the time. And love loves when there is no wrong done. <laughs> love loves even when there is no need expressed and needed help. Love loves all the time. The Father loves the Son, and the Son loves the Father, right? Neither can commit sin, neither can do wrong. They're perfect, but they love one another. Neither have needs, <laughs> but they love each other. Love is there always. The Father and the Son love the holy angels. The angels have no needs and they have no sin, and yet they are loved. When you and I go to heaven, we will not have sin and we will not have needs, but the Father and the Son continue to love us. So love is continuous. Let me put it this way. Love generates mercy, and mercy provides forgiveness. Do you want me to repeat that? Love generates mercy— and mercy provides forgiveness. Love is manifested in mercy, and mercy produces forgiveness. I want to explain this even further. <laughs> Love is always constant, but mercy is as need basis. Love is unconditional, but mercy is conditional on need. 
our love for each other as the body of Christ in this church is always constant. You see it all over the place. But how do I know love is there? Well, as soon as need arises, mercy starts operating right away, jumps in the work and moves into action. So mercy more than forgiveness. But mercy is less than love. Thirdly, mercy is different from grace. A lot of people confuse us. They always say grace and mercy. Well, they're two different things. Grace and mercy are not the same. The first thing you need to get under your belt is this. All of our problems, every one of them, every blessed one of our problems, every one of them, stem, emanate from sin. Everyone, I don't care what it is. You look back, peel the onion, sin. (laughs) All marital problems, all marital problems emanate from sin. Every one of them. Selfishness, pride, start playing, uh, trouble. All discord between any believers, all discord, any disunity emanates from envy and jealousy and arrogance of any kind. Even our sicknesses and diseases, they entered into our world as a result of Adam and Eve sinning in the garden. And that is why, in all of our troubles, mercy comes in and gives us relief. But grace deals with the root of the problem. In all of our troubles, mercy comes in and deals with the symptoms of our trouble. But grace deals with the cause of the trouble. All of our trouble, in all of our trouble, mercy offers reprieve from the punishment, but grace offers complete pardon. Mercy relieves our pain, but grace cures our disease. When the Good Samaritan, against all cultural norms, against all societal norms, where Jews and Samaritans don't even have a dealing with each other, when a Good Samaritan sees a Jew bleeding to death, he comes in and he fixes his wounds, helps him out. That is mercy. Ah, but when he put him on his mule, took him to the hospital, and he said, put all the charges on this card, that's grace. That's grace. See, mercy could have bound his wounds and then moved on. But grace went to the healing. That's grace. Mercy relieves the pain, but grace provides the healing. When we repent of our sins and receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, mercy says, now you are not going to hell. Ah, but grace comes in and says, you're going to heaven. You're going to heaven. Mercy says, I feel sorry for you. (laughs) But grace says, I pardon you. Mercy says, I will overlook your failure. But grace says, I will remember them no more. And so mercy is more than forgiveness. Mercy is less than love. Mercy is different from grace. Fourthly, finally, mercy is one with justice. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If I know anything, some of you are going to stumble over this one, and I'm going to tell you why. 
Because so many false teaching going around from many a pulpit. You say, mercy is one with justice? How can that be? They're two opposites. They're opposed to each other. How can two opposing characteristics of God be one? There's so many churches today, so many pulpits today have opted in totally, completely ignoring or wiping out one of the characteristics of God, namely His justice. That's how they put it. Listen carefully. God is all-merciful. Justice belongs to the Old Testament. That there is no place for justice in our understanding of mercy. God cannot be both merciful and just at the same time. They say, if God is completely merciful, how can He ever punish sin? If God is completely merciful, He must not punish sin. Sadly, this false gospel is preached from many a pulpit. Breaks my heart. Now, beloved, the Scripture is clear. Mercy that ignores sin is not mercy at all. Mercy that rationalizes sin is not God's mercy. Mercy that refuses to deal with sin is sentimentality, not the mercy of God. It is this false mercy that leads so many parents not to discipline their children, and therefore they end up rising up and being in rebellion. It is that kind of false mercy that some courts have practiced, and they let the criminal go scot-free. Hear me right, please. To ignore justice is to desecrate mercy. I want to repeat that. To ignore justice is to desecrate mercy. To ignore justice is to create an anarchy, which we're seeing now. To ignore justice is to cheapen grace. To ignore justice is to deny what Psalm 85 verse 10 says, that justice and mercy belong together. You cannot have mercy without a price. You just can't. Let me illustrate this. When our kids began to drive, we had our fair share of wrecks. But when one of my children get into a wreck, and they come to me, Dad, forgive me, I'm sorry. Of course, I'm going to forgive them. Absolutely. But somebody has to pay the cost of that mercy. Somebody has to pay for the cost of that wreck. Not only did I pay the deductibles, <laughs> but I also paid the increase in the premiums <laughs> on everybody in the family. Don't ever fall in the error of thinking that mercy is cheap. It is not. Mercy costs. In any act of mercy, someone has to pay. There are some people who think that they can receive God's mercy and go to heaven without repentance. They're going to be in for a huge shock. God's mercy is not only based on His love, but also based on His justice, 
on his justice. And that is why God himself paid a humongous, incalculable cost on the cross of Christ when his blood flowed freely on Calvary. Listen to me. The good news of the gospel is this. The price of justice has been paid in full on the cross. That's the good news. So please, don't take mercy lightly. Don't take it lightly. For on the cross, God's justice was satisfied so that you and I can receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. They're going to put themselves under the shower of receiving more mercy and more mercy, and the stream will flow through them. When you exercise mercy, your heart will be in such condition to receive more mercy and more mercy. Why? So that you may be able to give more mercy. And the more you give mercy, the more you receive more mercy. And the closer you resemble your Lord Jesus Christ. See, the more you imitate Jesus, the more Jesus you have in you. The more you imitate Jesus, the more Jesus is poured into you. And therefore, be a conduit of mercy. Be a channel for mercy. Therefore, do not block the channel of mercy by being merciless. For when you show mercy, you experience liberty. When you show mercy, you will be set free. When you show mercy, you will not be weighed down with unforgiveness and hatred and anger. When you exercise mercy, you will become unshackled from the emotional chains that hold you down. When you exercise mercy, you will become fruit-bearing, prosperous ministry. When you are exercising mercy, you will be liberated from the darkness and of bitterness. Blessed, happy, joyful, makarios are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.